Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on uh, in the series we're doing called Life in His Story. And uh, actually, if you're tired of this series, good news for you. This will be the last one in this series. Uh, we're going to start a brand new series next week that uh, I, we're, we're calling Do You Want to Get Well? And I'm really looking forward to that. We've touched on that a time or two, that, that topic. Um, but uh, I feel like we've got some neat stuff coming up into it as we head into the summer. Um, this series that we're in, Life in His Story, has um, we spent this part of the year um, talking about the Christian calendar, the church calendar, the church year that's been established for much of the church's history, and um, how it, it ties into particular readings and reflections um, uh, that sort of celebrate the redemptive acts of Jesus as Messiah throughout the course of a year. And... Um, we we started actually we started touching on it back in December with Advent and then we talked about Christmas and what that means and why we celebrate it and and then we talked about all the major sort of days that happen from from then until now along the way including Easter and all the the big ones um, the last big event um, in the church calendar for the course of a year is today which is Pentecost this weekend we celebrate Pentecost. And uh, and so um, next weekend is sort of a it's Trinity Sunday, but then it, from there it goes 26 weeks in what they call ordinary time. So I don't know how ordinary this this time is, but uh, so that that's kind of where it goes from there. So we're gonna we're gonna change gears after this week and start that new series, as I said. The day of Pentecost, uh, just so you know, an uh, amazing event. It, it happened, it was a Pentecost was a Jewish feast that uh, was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. And so uh, this is, this, the Pentecost then happened, um, you know, seven weeks in, uh, or so after the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and there was that sort of little in-between time, which really isn't very long. You know, so from Easter until now, it's a great way to see what happened. This, uh, this is what the disciples were kind of dealing with this time, you know. And Jesus had appeared to them and said, you know, go wait over here. I'm coming and, and uh, things are going to happen and you'll be my witnesses in Acts chapter 1. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's, he's met with them and prepped them. And things have begun to change. And the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the, the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, is when the Holy Spirit comes. Now, in Jerusalem, um, the, the, the believers, uh, Jewish believers had come from all over the world to celebrate at this point in time, which is cool. So now there's people from all over the known world in this one spot um, where Jesus has told his disciples to wait. And, and they're gathered there, and all of a sudden, this terrific wind comes from heaven and fills the place where they're gathered. Uh, they see tongues that look like fire that separated and came down on each one of them. And the apostles were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the, who then caused them, the Holy Spirit did, to speak in other languages, so that everyone who had come to the feast from all over the world heard what the disciples, uh, the apostles were speaking, uh, and they heard it in their own language. Um, some that were there accused the apostles of being drunk, but Peter stands up and he addresses them, saying, they're not drunk, guys, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and then empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter preaches boldly to them the, this first major gospel presentation, explaining to all those gathered about who Jesus was and what he'd done and what was happening. And, and uh, they said, well, what do we do in response to that? And he said, you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And he promised that they also would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And many in the crowd that day responded 
to the gospel message that Peter had preached, and about 3,000 people were um, baptized and added to the church on that day. So Pentecost is the day that, be, in effect, began the church. It was sort of the kickoff to all of it. Um, it happened on a Sunday. Because uh, sometimes people go, why Sundays? We can count. The resurrection and... and uh, and the celebration of the resurrection and Pentecost both happen on a Sunday. So when the early church was looking for a day to meet, they picked Sunday. So that when we come together on the weekends, I know it's not yet Sunday, but you know we consider this the weekend. Um, when we come together, it's, it's, it helps us that we can remember both the resurrection and the Holy Spirit coming and getting the church kicked off. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today um, is, is the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're going to touch on it, obviously, in one little quick message. We couldn't get to it all. But I want to give you some ideas about um, what that means and what we celebrate in this process. First, though, I have this little thought before we get going. Um, why don't lobsters get along with other sea creatures? Because they're shellfish. Isn't that great? Sorry, I love that one. I, I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'm like four. Because <laughs> some of the things, it's so silly. I'm like, it's perfect for church. The scripture reading, fortunately, comes right next. John 14, verses 15 through 17. This is Jesus, uh, and he says this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So as I said, we obviously can't cover all that there is uh, to about the Holy Spirit and his ministry in uh in, in one message, but I, I want to talk about him today, and uh, I've got six points that I want to make about him and his ministry in our short time together today, so here's where your note should pick up there. First thing we're going to talk about briefly is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Point number one, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. Um, Jesus said he'd give us another counselor to be with us forever. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, then the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. He, he came as part of the salvation deal. That you make with Jesus. The Holy Spirit um, is, is a part of the process. And just as he did on the day of Pentecost. When those people confessed. And, and repented. And asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. They were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So are you when you come to know Christ. Now the second point is, is, uh, is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a spirit of the truth and uh, spirit of truth. And one of the things that uh, he does is he reveals to us divine truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. 
So the Holy Spirit, then he helps us to see the truth, as, uh, in particular as we read and study his word. He's able to open things up to us in a way that we could not perceive without his help. He, he illuminates the scripture, he makes it um, come to life. And so that's one of the fascinating ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When you come to know Christ and the Holy Spirit um, comes in you, all of a sudden, and, and many of you will be able to relate to this um, immediately, all of a sudden things that are in this book begin to illuminate themselves in a way that they make sense to you, where they might not have it before. And, and not only um, does it happen initially, it happens throughout your Christian life. I was just having a discussion Wednesday with some folks. And we were talking about reading the Bible, and, and the, the person was saying to me how she had been reading that Bible text for her whole life. She grew up a Christian, and all of a sudden, something, she got a deeper meaning out of it. And I said, well, yeah, that's because it's a lie. The Holy Spirit will illuminate it for you um, when you need things. That's why I'm always encouraging you to read the Bible every day, um, and to have a... Um, uh, you know, we, the, I, I put out two devotional books this year just to get you reading the Psalms and the Proverbs on some sort of regular basis, if you would, because God will take those things and the Spirit of God will illuminate them to you in your day. And it's fascinating to me how He takes wherever we're at and will use it to teach us and to speak to us and to help us to grow and to comfort us and to tap right into what we're going through if we'll spend time doing it. But see, He, he illuminates the scripture. Um, I remember before I knew Christ, because I didn't grow up as a Christian. I grew up the exact opposite, whatever that might be. And uh, <laughs> some of you know that because you grew up that way too. And uh, we never went to church as kids, um, uh, you know, that I can remember. I, I think I visited a church a time or two with friends and didn't get it. Um, and um, at one point when I was 19, I had uh, this situation happen where something pretty miraculous took place. And this guy who had befriended me, who was a strong Christian, um, spent all night talking to me about the good news and, and brought me to the place where I needed to either accept it or not. And I, I chose at the time not to. I think I've told you that at 19. I was like, only because I couldn't figure out how they had any fun. Um, it all sounded good to me, more or less. But it was like, I don't see how you Christians have any fun at all. So I'm out. Um, Bad choice, because what I thought was fun wasn't. But nonetheless, maybe you can relate. But he, he at that moment, um, I should bring this down for tomorrow when I do it. He handed me his Bible late that night. Great, big, thick kind of Bible you could really do some business with. Bible, you know what I'm talking about? He handed it to me. It's all marked up, and it's got notes. I still have it um, up in my office. And he, he gave it to me. And uh, every once in a while, um, over those next uh, five or six years before I did come to know Christ, I came to know him at 25, so from 19 to 25. Um, and I went through all sorts of crazy stuff. That Bible seemed to stick with me, though. It was the funniest thing. I think it lost everything during those six years, more or less. But that Bible would always turn up. You know, it was in the trunk. It was all beat up and, and everything. And every once in a while, I'd go, oh, I should read that. You know, I'd open it up, and I'd be like, seriously? I get nothing out of this. You know, it's... Because I don't know about you, but I start back there in the beginning, and it, I'd, I'd start reading it, you know, and and uh, and I'd just get lost right away. Okay, that's done. But you know, once I came to Christ and and prayed that, and I prayed a pretty simple prayer when I came to Christ. Uh, I, I had again been through some things, and and 
I, I remember the, 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 the night very distinctly. I'd been sitting in this, this group, didn't want to be there, and they were talking about Jesus and whatever. But I left, and I, I, I went home that night, and I said, okay. Um, and this was years of drug abuse and just a mess. And I said, uh, all right, if you're, if you're really real, then, then here you go. Here I am. I'm yours. And let's see, what, let's see where it goes. That was my confession of faith. <laughs> pretty intense huh wow how deep was that but you know i woke up different the next day seriously i'm different the things that had been stealing my attention everything had had quickly faded and and i picked up the bible and started to read it and all of a sudden it made sense it made sense what did what had changed given my life to jesus now the holy spirit was in there all of a sudden he made it all make sense to me not all of it makes sense but parts of it make sense in ways they never had before. See, that's his ministry. He does that. He, he illuminates the scriptures. He, he helps us to know what God means and thinks uh, in the process. And he does that throughout our entire Christian life until Jesus comes back. Which is really cool when you think about it. That, that you know, when Jesus was saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you someone else to comfort you and lead you and teach you and to guide you. How cool was that deal that, uh, that we have? So... Uh, he, he makes the book come to life. Um, then third, um, I want to talk about yielding to the Holy Spirit. So, I said earlier, when a person accepts Jesus as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells his life permanently. The Bible also makes it clear that we're to be habitually filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and um, there's a difference, I believe, in, in the indwelling of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. And a lot of people have discussion about this. I believe it's like this, that... I do believe, with all that's in me, the Holy Spirit comes when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Um, but, but then, as we learn to yield our lives to Him, He fills us with more of who He is. And um, in Ephesians 5.18, it says this. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And, and the verb there, be filled... Um, it's written in a, in a way so that it means to keep on being filled. It's, it's written in the present passive imperative. Uh, and it has a concept of filling up a deficiency um, to, to, um, to be filled to capacity. And, and so um, I, I think what needs to happen is that as part of our, our regular life in him is that um, we, uh, he's, he's in us, but he... Um, he, he, he waits for us to yield to what he wants to do in our lives. He doesn't overpower us or overwhelm us or push us around. That's not the way God works. Um, and so as we yield areas of our lives to him, he fills those areas more and more. And, and so it's all about being more and more filled with his presence so that over time you, you're, you're, you're doing more and more of what he wants and less and less of what you want. Um, to me, this is the whole idea of um, the, the, the fruit of the spirit being developed in us. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That as we continually yield to the spirit of God... Um, he uh, is working in us and he develops this fruit in us so that in the course of our lives, um, th- this should be, you know, what we're becoming. Um, people that love well, people that experience a measure of joy, people that, that um, you know, know the peace of God that passes understanding, uh, um, people of patience, 
um, kindness, goodness. See, that's the work of the Spirit in us. That's, that's us yielding to Him. He's in us. But, but the more that we yield to Him, the, the more of Him we have. And, uh, and that's this process of life that we're developing. And it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to develop this fruit in us as we yield to Him. Where we don't yield to Him, um, we shut down that work. Where we slow it way down. We hamper it. Uh, if we don't want to love well, we won't. If you don't want to have any joy in your life, you won't. You can be miserable if you choose, and that's part of the deal. Um, you know, if you, if you don't ever want to experience peace, you can spend your lives just racked with worry uh, all the time. You, you don't have to be kind if you don't want. You can choose not to be. Um, uh, you know, but where we say, you know, God, I, I want you to just um, help me in these areas, then he does. And, and it's fascinating to watch. I, I love watching how God changes people. Um, some, some really hard people get really softened by God over time. And I love to see that happen. It's one of my favorite things to watch how the Spirit of God changes us over time and makes us more like we were intended to be when we are created and, and less of the hard stuff that's there. So we yield to him and, and, and we do that every day, trying to live by doing the next right thing and allowing him to develop this fruit in us. Um, fourth, he helps us to live as witnesses. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he empowers us then to be the ambassadors that we've been called to be. This whole process isn't just a self-help thing. Uh, it's, it's we come in and he begins to fix us uh, at some level. I mean, we're always broken, but he, he starts doing some work in us. So that, um, in the, and then empowers us so that we can help other broken people figure out um, and get to the cross and get healed uh, enough so that they can help other broken people figure out they need Jesus, get to the cross, get healed enough so that they can help other people figure This is the process. And so um, we're, we're to love as uh, witnesses for him, not just with our words, but with our lives. Um, he gives us gifts that when you read about the gifts, they're to be used for the building up of the church. Um, they uh, sometimes get uh, sometimes people look at people's giftedness and they see that as a measure of their maturity but they're not the measure of a person's maturity in Christ is the fruit that's developed in their lives not the gifts the spirit gives those gifts to be used for the common good to build people up there's some very gifted people who have not matured very well and and they usually end up getting in big big trouble <laughs> and causing a lot of problems but um, and we add to that by um, magnifying people because of their giftedness and what you what you always want to do is is you look at people's fruit not their gifts Um, because the holy spirit gives these things um, for us to be used and they're wonderful things the gifts of the spirit are wonderful things but they're to be used for the common good they're they're not about building us up individually they're to be used through us to bless others and and to help build the church up and then to be used to help bring, bring people to jesus that's what he empowers us to do, to live as witnesses. And so this, this change needs to take place in us so that we can have an impact in the world around us. Fifth, he helps us in our worship. 
Philippians 3.3 For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. The Spirit reminds us of our dependence on God. And He, he encourages us to be expectant as we worship and also humble in our responsiveness. This, one, of the, one of the reasons I love to come uh, on a Saturday night is that we have just plenty of time to hang out and worship. And... Um, I, I, I try always to come expectantly, hoping that, you know, in that time when I'm just yielded to him and sitting at his feet and, and hanging out with him, that um, he's able to, to come and, and speak to me and, and, and work in me and show me areas that I need to work in and, and uh, you know, point out things that need to be done. And um, it's just such an amazing thing that we have this kind of communion with God. And, and, and so the Spirit of God helps us in our worship. And six, uh, he helps us in our prayers. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So he's there to help us um, e- even if we're not sure how we're supposed to pray. It's, it's another reminder of our complete dependence on God for everything that matters. And that's the bottom line. We're dependent on God for everything that matters. And he's here, living in us, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. Holy Spirit living in you to help you on this journey until Jesus comes back for his church, says everything right. And he helps us to redeem this time. And all of that started a couple thousand years ago, Pentecost. The church you're in today started back then. Um, I love that. Sometimes people ask, how long has the church been there? And I think, I know they mean, you know, when did we start? 1984, that many years. But we started a couple thousand years ago. You can trace it back (laughs) to Pentecost. How cool. Do you ever think about that? You You can literally trace the church of Christ back to the day of Pentecost. That's neat stuff. And that's what we celebrate today. If you're watching by television or on video, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate you spending this time with us. Next week, we start a brand new series, Do You Want to Get Well? And uh, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you need prayer, go to our website, keysvenue.com. There's a prayer page. Just use that. Send us a prayer request, and we'll be praying for you. We hope you'll join us again soon.